0: But again, it's the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. And once you are ready to read the scripture, uh, if you're here in person, if you could please stand as able for the reading of God's word. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me. That they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me. And love them, even as you love me. Father, I desire that, that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and though these know that you have sent me. I may known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved love me may be in them, and I in them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, we have been talking about how to go deeper uh, with God in the spiritual journey. And it is something that, you know, people have been doing uh, since the beginning of Christianity. And uh, there was this time in about the second century where there was this great movement into the desert. And sometimes we call those people the desert fathers and mothers. And it's very interesting, though, because Christianity, as you may know, at one point became uh, mainstream. Uh, In the beginning, Christianity was very fringe. To be a Christian, usually meant to be persecuted, to be misunderstood. And oftentimes, Christians were very widely persecuted. But then this really weird thing happened where Constantine, the emperor, the Holy Roman, well, at the time, he was just the Roman emperor, uh, but he converted to Christianity. And overnight, the the, the Roman Empire became the Holy Roman Empire. And uh, everyone basically was under that, those auspices. I, I'm not sure if everyone converted overnight, but what, be, be, what was a fringe religion all of a sudden became the religion of the empire. And everything changed from that point. And so you have to think that there were some ways in which people used to follow Jesus that were like a little countercultural. And maybe by becoming, like, a state religion, some of the, the kind of, like, rough edges or some of the ways that were countercultural and, you know, maybe a little bit more radical, you know, some of those, 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 those sharp edges started to be kind of smoothed out. You know, and you got to think that some of the teachings, like, about, like, you know, what do we do with our goods when Jesus is like, hey, you know, give away your goods, you know, give it to the poor and, you know, and come follow me, as he says to the rich young ruler. And now there's a lot of rich young rulers, right? And so Christianity starts to change and the way that people worship starts to change. And there's some people who I think have this deep yearning that they're like, you know what, there's got to be something more. You know, maybe we've lost something in the spirit of, uh, you know, what it means to follow Christ. And so they wanted new depth. And so they, those people gravitated into the desert, and they started going there just to pray and just to, to commune with God. And out of this, uh, uh, this quest you know, to, to find deeper things came some of the things that we have been teaching lately about how to go deeper. And so one of the things that a lot of desert mothers and fathers, uh, they found were these different ways of deepening your faith. And we've talked about this almost like stages, but it's like different paths, you know, and they are thought of being somewhat sequential. But we know that in life, sometimes things are just cyclical, right? It doesn't always go from like you start in point one, point two, point three. Sometimes you go back to point one, right? But the point is that there is this path and the ultimate place where we are trying to end up is union, right? So what the desert fathers and mothers were looking for is they wanted to actually know God. And what they realized is it's just not knowing God. It's not like, hey, God, you know, you're my friend and I know you. And hey, you know, like, like I know what you're like and I know your characteristics. But, you know, it's more than that. They wanted to become like God. They, they, they did see that becoming like Jesus was a big emphasis, right, uh, of what Jesus would teach people. But it, it's even more than that. They wanted to become one with Christ. And there, there is that language in Scripture. And it is a language that is a little mysterious, So I'm going to be honest with you, that in the church, especially in the West, especially amongst Protestant Christianity, we've lost a lot of this language. Why? Well, I think there's several reasons for that. One is because we just became very heady and we we just like, you know, really, really became enamored with what we could understand. You know, people could, uh, you know, like they could study the original Greek texts and, you know, there's all these academics you know, who uh, could know, like, the historical t- context of things. And we just don't like ambiguity. We don't like mystery. And some of the ways when you talk about union, mystical union with God, it's just, like, hard to understand. And so some people, sometimes I think we just kind of skip over. We're like, we have no idea what this means. Become one, w- one with Christ, like, it means something, you know. We just kind of move on, you know. I think there are some people, too, where, where I'll be honest, that some of it, it sounds like Eastern religion, which, by the way, I think you guys know, Christianity did not start in the West. You, you know that, right? It started in the Middle East, right? And, and so it started in Palestine, in these areas, right? And so, but there's some of us that, like, like you know, like, because it, it, it drifted to the West and there was this suspicion of kind of like Eastern religion. And some of it, it almost sounds like enlightenment, you know? Um, there's this joke that people say, like, what is the, the the spiritual person or the, you know, like, the enlightened person? How do, they, what, what, how do they order a hot dog? You know how they order a hot dog? They get one with everything. Right? They want to be one with everything. So yeah, there's this idea, right? Like Like, when you start talking about union, it's like, it sounds like that kind of thing, like, I, you know, I want to be one with the universe, I want to be one with everything, right? But this is, I mean, this goes back to the earliest roots of Christianity, right? Like second century, people were talking this way. They wanted union. This was the path, right? But I just want to remind us what these other paths were. We've been talking about this for a few weeks, so we're not going to go into uh, great detail. But just to say that there are steps, Right? And the first one is what we call purgation. It is dying to your old self, right? And so friends, I just want to point out that if it feels like, you know, having complete union with Christ seems like like, like it's not an easy thing or it's not something that comes automatically, I think that's right. You know, there are some steps that come before this. In many ways, your old self, your old way of thinking, your old way of operating, right? Your nervous system and the ways that we just react to things like, like the fight or flight response. These things do get in the way of union with God, right? And we've always found this to be true, right? And so there is this process of needing to purge, of needing to, you know, die to the old self. And then this idea of illumination, which is, you know, being open and receiving grace, right? How do you receive grace from God? How do you receive the work of the Holy Spirit? And this is the part where a lot of us, I think, get enamored with. Because, you know, this is like when you experience the Holy Spirit and you're like, oh, man, it feels so good, right? And, you know, one of the things that, that uh, we're not going to get too much into today, but when you get into union, there are many, many spiritual writers. One of the main ones was St. John of the Cross, and he would talk about this thing where they would call it the night of the senses, or sometimes people call it the dark night of the soul. And so, illumination can feel wonderful. if you guys ever been to a retreat and you experienced that kind of spiritual high, and you felt like your heart was on fire, and you just like, right? You're just like, oh my gosh, like I feel the Holy Spirit. You know what illumination is like, right? You feel that work. But what they actually think is that, that that's not union at least not fully union. Union is going a lot deeper than that. And what St. John of the Cross would say is that there, there was, th- there's this experience that a lot of spiritual people experience. I've experienced that at times, I've talked to other people, and it's very, very painful. This dark night of the soul. What this is, is what people sometimes experience is those good feelings that you used to feel, they kind of go away. And sometimes you don't feel anything. And, and, and during this, this, this uh, stage, uh, this process, sometimes people are like, dude, is God even there? Sometimes people feel like God has abandoned them. It's like Jesus on the cross. You know, um, oh God, oh God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? Right? And, and so there are some people that they go through what feels like a dry period But what a lot of uh, uh, very um, experienced people in the spiritual journey have said is that that is actually the kindness of God. And that is part of the maturing process. Why? Because if you can go through that period, what you find is that you stop wanting just what God will give you. You stop just wanting how God makes you feel. But then you start to just get God, God's self. And so what union is, it's not just feelings, but really this experience of being united with God, right? That you want God for God, not just because of what God can give you. That might seem confusing for some of us. Some of us are like, but how do I even know that I'm there? And friends, I think for a lot of people who are in union, that, I mean, by the way, that stops being a question. You stop... (laughs) you know, wrestling with that, because you just know, you know on some deeper level that God is with you. Can you feel it? Yeah, sometimes, right? And sometimes it's more like the after effects of peace, of just complete serenity, right? Of just this knowledge, right? That, that you're you're just in a differently, di- different kind of mindset entirely, that you just know that God is with you, and everything's going to be okay. I don't know about you, friends, but I do find that in this life, there is so much, uh, like, hand-wringing over the spiritual journey. And, and, you know, for a lot of us, we experience doubts, and we experience difficulties. And that's not bad. That's all part of the journey. And one of the things that we've been trying to say is that you don't need to feel bad about that at all. If you're anywhere on this spiritual journey, it's a good thing, right? We are progressing. But where we are trying to go, hopefully is to this place of union where we can be one with God. And it's not just becoming like Christ, but we are with Christ and Christ is with us. And we are united in in so many different ways. And that's what we're talking about today. And so today we want to get into uh, what we call the high priestly prayer. This is Jesus's final prayer in John for his disciples and what's kind of cool about the high priestly prayer is that he doesn't just pray for the disciples the 12 disciples or the current disciples who are living around that time jesus prays for us did you know that because when you see here he says i do not ask for these only but also for those who believe in me through their word oh that's us right that's you and me. We come to believe through the word of the, the witnesses, of the apostles, right? And so Jesus here is praying for you. It's kind of cool, right? And he says that they may, be, they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us. There's a lot of in, right? So check this out, friends. Let's break this down. They may all be one, right? Who? Who? All Christians, all Christ followers, all of us can be one. Just as you, Father, are in me. So the Father and the Son are one, and I in you, that they may also be in us. So we're one with each other, and then we're also one with God. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. What does Jesus want? What does Jesus want? What is Jesus praying for you? Final prayer before he goes to the cross, right? It's like the famous last words. They are so important. And his prayer is that we can become one. That's it. Right. That's where we're going. We're going to union. Right. And so there's so much more to that, friends. But I, I want to say, um, you know, uh, how do we get there? Right. And there's more that he says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Oh, righteous father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. So friends, last week we talked about love, right? We talked about how that's the ultimate. All of this, it is about love. Not this wishy-washy love. It's not romantic love. It's not just a feeling. But the Christ-like love, right? And if we don't have that, then what are we even doing? We're missing the boat. We're missing the point, right? And so in union, we do see that love. We are able to experience that love. But I want to just press this a little further. It's not just about love, but it is about being like and with and in Christ and Christ in us. Hard to understand, but let's start to kind of take this apart. What do we mean by this, and how do we get this? How do we become one with Christ? So the first thing uh, that I want to mention, just real quick, just to mention, don't forget those those two initial paths that we talked about. So you need that, right? And so we're not going to go into great detail, but there are things that we can learn to do to surrender ourselves, right? One of the things we talked about is the practice of silence and solitude. How that is really going contrary to what your mind wants to do. Your mind, especially if we live in this world that's so active and we're so overstimulated, we don't like silence. Silence in some ways feels like death to your mind and to your old self. As it should. It's important. And so learning to be silent before God and to have some time where you're kind of separating yourself out from the input of this world, right, in prayer... I think it's very important. You remember Jesus, uh, he wasn't like other people where they're so swayed by the crowds. Remember, the crowds would come and they're like, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? And the disciples would be like, we don't know where Jesus is. We don't, right? They're so influenced by the world's anxiety. And they go to Jesus and where's Jesus? Oh, where'd he go? He's off by himself praying. He's off by himself just spending that time with the father, Right? And and he doesn't seem to care as much about what the world thinks. Why? Because I think a little bit of, of, you know, that solitude and that silence, it puts him in a different space. And I think for us, it would help too. And so there are different ways we can do that. Again, we've talked about this before, so I'm not going to go too much into that. But just know that that's important. And the illuminative path, we talked a lot about meditating on scripture and being able to... Uh, uh, experience God and to ingest what God desires for us. And the character of Christ as we read about him and, you know, we memorize scripture and it becomes a part of us and the ways that the Holy Spirit can illuminate that for us, right? And being able to experience God in that can be so important. So don't skip those things, right? Very important for us to get to union. Right. And so the second thing I would say is another aspect of union or one aspect of union is union with Christ's way of life. And so it says this in John 15. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Right. And so you do see this idea of, you know, if you want to abide in this love so if you want to be united in this love then you need to learn how to do what i do right so my commandment is something that you know this is what jesus himself did he's not someone who's on the throne and telling people to do something that he would never do himself what he's saying is i've loved you in this way now you go and do that for other people so it just makes sense. If we are one with Christ, we are going to be like Christ. And if Christ is loving and we're not loving, can we really say we're united with Christ? No. Right? Because we're headed in a completely opposite direction. And it's going to be like Tai Chi. Right. Or at least the way I think of Tai Chi. I don't know if this really is Tai Chi, but you ever see like the people in the park and they're like going like this and there's a movement. Right. And they're just kind of like united. Right. Like one person's hand goes like this and the other person's hand goes like this. And I feel like that's the way Jesus wants us to be. Right. He's loving people and we're loving people in the same way. Right. And we have that union of purpose and that union of action and that union of intent. Right. And so we want to learn how to be united to Christ's way of life. And so learning to do what Christ tells us to do is so important. Right. Another aspect of union is through recognizing the presence of God. Right. And this is something that I've learned, uh, especially over the last 10 years, And that's been something that's been really helpful in my life is realizing that when Jesus says he wants to be united with us, it's not the sense where God is really far away. He's always here, right? And one of the things that we get confused is we think because God is always here that we know that or that's going to make a difference in our lives. And what a lot of uh, spiritual people talk about is the idea of the manifest presence of the Lord, right? There's a way in which we can say, "Yes, God is here," but whether you are aware of that is the other question. Is 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 uh, uh, another story, right? And so, th- one of the the most famous books, uh, I, I think, it's like the, the best selling uh, book other than the Bible is called The Practice of the Presence of God. Have you guys ever heard of this Brother Lawrence? And Brother Lawrence was just a very simple, he was a monk. Uh, He was a monk in a monastery, and he was the cook. And he would talk about this idea that he always felt like God was with him. And his whole practice was about trying to know that God was there. And so, just ordinary things that we might look past and be like, oh, God's not here. God's in, like, you know, when you hear the choir sing, like, okay, God is there. Like, hallelujah, you're like God, right? Or you're in a service, or you have your head bowed, or you have a Bible open. But for Brother Lawrence, there's these stories where he'd be like peeling potatoes, and he just feels the presence of God, and he would just get down on the floor of the kitchen, and he would just worship. That he would just like see a leaf fall to the ground and just be like, God is there, right? And, and it seems like so foreign to us, but how do you make, uh, uh, how do you not make this separation between the, the, the mundane and, and, and the, the, the holy, right? The, 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 the everyday, the secular and the spiritual. That's what we tend to do. We, we tend to not think of the stuff that we do. Like when you're just walking to, to, to class, do you have a sense that God is there? Right? Or does it feel very separate from your experience? When you're at work or when you're programming and you're just... Do you know that God is there with you? How do we get that realization? There was this missionary named Frank Laubach, Uh And Frank Laubach, uh was a very successful missionary by, by every sense of... of you know, at least that we would use as humans... Um, he uh, had a big church and decided to leave that and then went to the Philippines and started a seminary there. And Frank Laubach, in the eyes of many cross followers, they're like, oh man, this guy's got it. But what a lot of people didn't know is that Frank Laubach was very depressed. He felt this despair in his soul and he's like, something is missing. And one of the things that he wanted to do was he wanted to learn How to bring the awareness of God and the awareness of God's presence into everything that he did. And so what Frank Lobach did was he started playing something that he called the game with minutes. And the game with minutes was this, that he would try to say, like, uh, in every minute, I'm going to try to recognize that God is there, that the presence of God is with me, for at least one second in every minute, Right? Or if you think about an hour, you know, how many minutes can I think about God and know that God is here, right? Again, Frank Laubach wasn't always doing like super spiritual things. He might be just walking to the market or talking to someone. But in that moment, could he at least for one second be cognizant, be aware that God is there with him? And for Frank Laubach, when he started playing this game with minutes, after a few months, he said it changed everything for him he found that his spirit was lighter. He felt more joy. He felt more peace. He felt the presence of God in all the things that he he does. And friends, I wonder for us, it is the world we live in that we have separated the secular from the spiritual. This is just the way we think, right? You might have heard me talk like this before, but I think that a lot of Christians even we live a kind of practical atheism. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that even though you believe in God, you live each moment as if there is no God. That's just the secular world. When you're doing your taxes, when you're putzing around on your phone, when, when you're with your kids and they're annoying you, when you're tired, when, when you're driving and there's lots of traffic and construction, and you're getting annoyed... You live as if there is no God. How do you bring God, the awareness of God, into every moment? And that's what I want to encourage you to do. There are times where I've been learning to do this. I'm not perfect at it, mind you. But there are times where, you know, I just might be driving, uh, you know, down the street and all of a sudden notice like, oh man, there's a lot of trees around. God, thank you for the trees. These are beautiful. You know, and even though, like, the leaves are starting to fall and to just be like, God, you know, I I, I, I sometimes don't even notice this. I don't notice that I'm surrounded by all this beauty. I don't know about you. What is it like when you go to class? And I want to encourage you. I know sometimes we're listening to praise music. That's not bad. That might be more the illuminative path, right? You feel it. You feel the music and, and you hear about God and you read those lyrics. Those aren't bad. But I want to encourage you, maybe sometimes, as, as you are listening to that music and, you, you know, you feel good and you're like, okay, God, thank you, turn off the music. And just, just appreciate, just, just appreciate that God is with you in that moment. Know that in your soul, that God is with you in that moment. In each and every moment that God is here, can we do that right now before we move on? I know I've said a lot of words, right? But what is any of this without experience? Is it just like the knowledge? You're like, yeah, 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 Pastor Steve, I know that God is with me. We don't need that. We don't just need head knowledge. We need to know that. So let's just take a moment, right? Just take a deep breath, maybe. You don't need to close your eyes. You don't need to bow your head. You can keep your eyes open. You can look at me. You can look at the, the, these really bright, hot lights. <laughs> you can look around. You can look at your neighbor. Just in this moment, can you say this in your heart? and Just recognize God is here. I see some of you guys looking at each other (laughs) and you're like (laughs) God is here. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He's with you right now. Tomorrow at 11.14 a.m. wherever you're going to be God is going to be with you. He's going to be with you at 11.15 a.m. and 11.16 a.m. I think you guys get the point. (laughs) He's always with you, but can you bring that into your awareness more and more? So that's definitely something you can do. And then the last point that I want to make is there is this idea that, yes, we are going to be one with God. And, and you know, Jesus is one with the Father. And, you know, Jesus says, as, you know, I am in you and you in me, I want them also to be in us. But I also want them to be one with each other right? And so one of the ways that we experience union is with other flawed human beings. Because guess what? Those flawed human beings are made in the image and likeness of God. Is it a little obscured by sin and by selfishness and by our kind of like tunnel vision that we go through life? Of course. Are these people sometimes annoying, right? And hard to love? Of course. But you can't deny what Jesus says. He says, the glory that you have given me I have given to them. What does that mean? There's glory within us. There is glory when people are able to experience union with each other. That they may be one even as we are one. There's something really beautiful about that. But it's so hard to see, friends. Because all we see is the flaw. And I do think that there are moments in nature that we are able to experience the glory of God. For me, that's where I like to go normally. So, I try to make it a habit. It is a spiritual practice for me. Many of you guys know this. I try to go to the park every day. I don't always make it out as it's getting colder. It's getting harder. Sometimes it's like super rainy, right? But I try to make it a practice. I put like snow pants in my, in in my, uh, car. You know, I've got like this mask that, that, that covers everything but my glasses you know, and, and, and it, it keeps me nice and warm. And so I try to go out into nature to experience just the presence of God. But when it gets like super cold, I can't always do that. And so I started going to another place. And I want to share with you guys an experience that I had. Um, just the background of this is, um, this was back in, let me check the date here, 2019. 2019. And some of you may know this, uh, that in in, in January of 2019, um, I went through something. I I experienced these uh, uh, panic attacks where I felt like I couldn't breathe. And it got so severe that sometimes at night, I could not fall asleep. Maybe just for like a few seconds, but my body would jolt awake. And it was seriously like torture because I couldn't sleep. Right. And I started having panic attacks during the day at night, sometimes at church. And it was really, really just jacking me up. And one of the things that was helpful for me was going to the park, was, you know, praying before God. But I'll be honest, there are times where I'd be praying and I would have a panic attack. It wasn't easy, but God was slowly healing me over time. And how God healed me um, is is another story. But uh, this was happening during that season. And I had this very powerful experience of the presence of God that I wanted to share with you. And so I I just want you to know that that's what was going on, right? And I really did need the presence of God in my life during that time. But I wrote a Facebook post about it. So I don't do much social media anymore. Um, I used to post a lot on Facebook, I don't really anymore. But this this is a post that I wrote back in February of 2019. I wanted to read it for you in its entirety. It's like about yay long on the Facebook page. Um, so so if you if you would uh, uh, just yeah just receive this story that that I shared on my Facebook feed back then. When the weather is warm enough, I like to walk around parks and enjoy seeing the goodness and beauty of God. But this is Michigan now. I've had to instead walk around the mall lately. There's a pretty popular thing to do here, and this is a pretty popular thing to do here in Ann Arbor. We have only one mall. It's called Briarwood. Not the greatest mall, but it's the one we got. And there are always tons of mall walkers. So this morning, I was walking around trying to observe the beauty of God. It's a little harder to see the miracles of God in the massive stone and plaster question mark. I have no idea what malls are made of. <laughs> Structures and the advertisements and the displays then it occurred to me. The miracles of God are the people. All of us walking around. I see older folks, some not moving as quickly, some moving pretty darn fast, faster than me. It's it's actually pretty sad to be lapped by grandpas and grandmas. I man, they walk really fast sometimes. I see mothers pushing their babies in strollers, some crying, some peaceful, the babies not the moms. People of all shapes, colors, sizes, all miracles. Lord, forgive me for my callous heart, for thinking your miracles were just in my way. Friends, be kind to each other. Appreciate each other. We are all miracles. I'm sitting there walking around this mall, and I'm so in my head, right? Because I I have a hard time breathing. I had just had another panic attack. I'm like, I'm in this mall, and it's stuffy, and people are getting in my way. And I just had this moment where God just showed me, right, that that revelation. Looking around at these people, he says, how dare you? They are made in my image and likeness. Open your eyes. And I did, and I started seeing these people, and they're not perfect. Some of them are scowling. Not all of them are smiling at me, right? Not all everyone notices me. But I just start weeping, because I know in that moment, God is there. God crafted each and every person. There's something really beautiful, friends, about church. There's something really beautiful about community. We don't always do it perfectly. But there are some times, I mean, even last night, we were at this uh, joint, combined um, uh, youth group thing for the churches in Ann Arbor. And the kids there, man, it's like, you know, we don't always get to see each other. And it was like one of these things where, like, the energy level just gets raised, right? And they were so loud. And it was so funny. I was talking to some of the, the adult volunteers there and. Um, there's like a, 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 a table full of boys that kept migrating closer and closer to the table full of girls, right? And they're just messing around. They're being so stupid, and they're wrestling and pushing each other. Like, ha, <laughs> ha, They look over at the girl. Are they watching? You know, they're like, ha, <laughs> ha. Like, dude, so many hormones in this room, right? And I just look at all of this and like, man, I remember I was such an idiot at that age. I remember, and yet it's so beautiful. It really is. Man, I just started smiling, not because they're hormonal like idiots, you know, but because they're miracles. They are. It's beautiful, It's beautiful that God can bring us together. Do you feel that? When you look around this room, or do you just see people like, "Uh, strangers, I don't know how to act. Maybe we see that, but can we combine some of those things we talked about? That idea that God is always with us, and God can also be within us. And that can be amplified when we are with one another. Because the God who created you in his image, and made you beautiful. I mean, flaws in everything. He made you. And he made each and every person. You know how long scientists have been trying to create life? You know, they take all of these molecules and they just... Mash them together, like, let's add more carbon, and let's add more of this, and add more of this, more oxygen. And they keep zapping with electricity. And they're like, oh, ah. and, and apparently there was like one scientist one time who apparently came up with one amino acid, and you find out that it was like a highly rigged experiment. But people got so excited, they're like, oh, building block of life, look at what we did! And, and other people look at that experiment, they're like, we've never been able to replicate that. We think he cheated. He didn't create life. He created one little, like, it's like trying to say that you found one Lego and then it's like, you know, you see this huge structure of Legos that's like, I don't know, the Death Star or something like that. And saying that having one Lego is the same as that. It's not the same thing, but we got so excited, right? Life! Friends, can you imagine just the complexity of one single cell organism And what do they do? They just sit there. Maybe at some point they get the little thingies, right, where they can, like, move around. Like, oh, cool. And then eventually they get the thing where they can sense light. and Whoa, whoa. Yo, look at us. We're miracles. It's amazing. Man, you can do so much more than just float around in that little Petri dish. You can worship God. You can love one another. You can help each other. Oh my gosh, it's so wonderful, friends. I just want to take a moment. Praise team, if you guys can come up. Just think about this, this, this. I'm just going to throw this word up there. Glory. Glory. Jesus says, I'm going to give them my glory. And we are going to see it when they become united with us and when they become united in each other. What does glory look like to you? I think it looks like a bunch of people who are worshiping the Lord together. I think it looks like when people start to love and appreciate and think about people other than themselves. When we start to look at one another and not see someone who's in the way, someone who's going to get in line before you, someone who's going to take what you're trying to get, but you see a fellow miracle. Can we just worship God for that? Can we just bask in that? It's not a super complicated message, friends. And in many ways, as we get into union, a lot of it is just opening our eyes. Can we just worship? Can we just thank God? Can we just say, God, thank you for this life? I know we're going into Thanksgiving, right? Can we just say, God, thank you for the people around us? Thank you, Lord, that you are here. Maybe just take another moment, that game of minutes, right? Can you just take a few seconds and recognize? You can just say it out loud. God, we know that you are here. You are with me. And you're with these other fellow miracles in this world. Open our eyes. Open our eyes to appreciate that. To let that sink in are here you love us we are not cosmic accidents we live in a world of beauty and love yes there's sin yes there's brokenness and you're doing something about that you're gonna do that mainly through us as we learn to treat people different as we learn to bless and not curse as we learn to see the beauty in one another and as we try to live our lives in the lights of christ Knowing that you are with us, and it makes all the difference. Lord. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You guys, rise and join us for worship.